Hello, my name is Evan Jacobs and welcome to the Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir Aftermath podcast. These interviews are part of an ongoing series chronicling the hardcore punk music scene in Orange County, California and sometimes elsewhere. They are an addendum to the film Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir. This is a documentary I made that chronicles the 1990s hardcore punk scene. You can stream Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir on Vimeo. For $2 a month, you can watch every Anadimia film by subscribing to Anadimia Films Unlimited on Vimeo. Links for all this stuff are in each episode description. To support this podcast, please like, rate, and review it. Also, please subscribe to Anadimia Films TV on YouTube, where you can view all of these podcasts in their original video form. This is perfect that we're doing this in Irvine, you know, in the center that you are. Right across the street from Green Tree. There right, you go. right, right, right. So then, growing up in Irvine, how did you find punk, punk rock? I'm assuming there was a record, because there was a record store here. Pier... Down the street, Pure yeah. Records. I mean, come on, you got Brian Chu, you got Farside, you got Zach, Inside Out, Hard Stance. Irvine was like a breeding ground of punk rock. So, not really, but there was definitely a you know, a, a part of the scene here, so. But how do you find it though? Because you weren't, like, you know what I mean? You've never been a scene head. That was always something, I remember when I first met you, that was the line that you gave me, I'm not a scene head. So I was into like Black Flag and Bad Religion. How'd you get into that? Uh, just record stores up in LA, you know? Were you, were you going to those stores a lot? I, my, so my uncle, who I'm named after, who passed away, God rest his soul, uh, he didn't really work. He just would fix stuff. He'd go and trade and barter. So he had all this credit at all the record stores. So whenever I'd go to LA, he'd say, let's go. And I'd be like, cha-ching. And it would literally, I'd walk out with just any vinyl I wanted. That's how I got into Verbal Assault, you know. And then meeting Jeff, you know, in junior high. Um, I think the first introduction, I think, was kind of instead. That was kind of our personal connection. Really? Like, I remember talking to, you know, Instead, Kevin Stead and Jeff. Would, but what was it about Instead? Was it the positivity? Was I, I, it I think so. Message? So I mean, I think you know, Seven Seconds was shortly after, and Descendants. But like Seven Seconds was really you know, Uniform Choice. Those were the bands, and those you know, Uniform Choice was local. I mean, so I mean, it's Huntington Beach, Irvine, all the different crews. You know, the Costa Mesa. That's how we. Uh, you know, kind of get indoctrinated into it. Am I looking at you or am I looking right here? No, me, 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 me's fine. Um, so then where do your sensibilities towards public service come from? Because I, I have to believe you were into that before getting into punk or did they kind of dovetail like? So I think my music's always, you know, gone hand in hand with, with youth development. I mean, we want to have a positive message in music. You know, Game Face, you know, we could sing about you know, interchange or chocolate cake, but you know, I'm just saying like the whole positivity, you know, again, getting back to seven seconds, you know, uniform choice, you know, dag nasty, I mean, huge. So all that kind of, uh, we wanna make our lives count. And I think for me, that was something that always, I learned really early on, you know, I worked with youth and, you know, inner city youth uh, in Los Angeles. I was there during the riots and it really kind of, you know, I thought I was open-minded when I moved to LA and and I, I was not, and then LA, that's where I kind of cut my teeth. And then, uh, are we mentioning people in this broadcast? It's up to you, I mean, totally up to you. I mean, Regis from Course of Disapproval, I think in 96, 
hired me at the Boys and Girls Club, and um, you know, I just that's my 26th year there, actually. So uh, two days ago is my uh, eighth year anniversary of being a CEO. So something I'm pretty proud of. So um, you know, want to make a change in people's lives, and it's not just kids anymore; it's families, especially last couple of years with the pandemic, it's, it's a big deal. So something that's always been important to me, uh, I know resonated with Jeff, you know, um, early on. And then just the whole tragedy of, you know, people don't know Game Face, just with Bob, our original drummer, you know, having addiction issues and uh, killing himself, tragically, like lighting himself on fire at noon, middle of the day at a gas station. Um, so I think that was something I wanted to pass on, like, hey, do not be like my friend Bob to all these teens that I've worked with over the years. So, Did, did anything about growing up in Irvine, because like, you know, when you're younger, to me, it's like this great place to rebel against. But then I think as you get older, it, that kind of changes just because you change and, and we, we, we all change. But did anything about living in Irvine kind of push you more towards sort of that social wanting to kind of do that like seeing maybe what you were living around and seeing what other people didn't have and wanting to maybe give them that unfortunately no but i'm saying when i moved to la and i was living in the inner city yeah. i mean like i remember i was skateboarding one night and the police pulled up and were like put the light on me and what are you doing i was like i'm not doing anything they were like no what are you doing i'm like i'm not doing anything i'm just you know freaking skateboarding and they're like no what are you doing here i was like i live right here and they're like why and i'm like what do you mean why and that's like a memory I distinctively have of, they're like, this isn't a safe neighborhood. And I was like, dude, like you're telling me all this stuff that like I already know. And that was kind of like how, again, I got started and LA really opened my eyes to just, you know, just the realities. I had to really uh, reset my thinking, you know, growing up in Irvine, it was like a white male, you know, and thinking, oh, the world's great, you know, and it's fair and there's, you know, and there's, there's no racism, like, you know, like, look at Irvine, and you get to LA, and it just, all that was, was a really good beginning for me, and a good kind of, oops, sorry. No, it's fine. A good pillar for, I guess, my career. So then, before Game Face, can you tell us a little bit about, hmm. you weren't in No Such Thing, were you? No, I was in Ourselves, yeah. Jeff. Named which, after? Which I just got the tape set last week, Jason Hoffman. Named which, after the Seven Seconds yes. album. So that probably the only copy out there after 30 years but yeah so we did you know that band and then graduation and was that just a high school band yeah, was like, high school like band. just a high school band i mean like like that was only done so we wrote our own songs you know we thought we were you know it was great we covered a uniform choice song and just yeah that's what we did and then we met bob and paul and how'd you meet those guys uh at a big drill concert a uh, big drill car concert up in uh uh anti-club Remember that? You just started talking to those guys? At the uh, I think club? Jeff met met Paul at the show, and then he said, hey, I met these guys. Like, we should go jam with them, because they, you know, drummer and bass player. So we're like, right on. So went and had our first game phase practice in Anaheim, and um, I think we wrote like two songs that day, and that was, we were off and running, so. Well, see, that gets me to my, to, to my question. When did you realize with game phase, like, hey, you know, we have something here. Like this isn't going to be a high school band. This is gonna, this is gonna be something bigger than that. Like, was it when you did those two songs? Was it when you did the puzzle seven inch? Like, what your uh, demo? Um. Yes. Hello. We're doing the interview. <laughs> like they could be part of it. Um. I think 
if I'm going to fast forward a pinch, which you may or may not be looking no, for. No, 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 whatever, whatever. After, so we're th do more after three to get ready came out, yeah. and I remember we were like on tour, and the lines started being around the building, and all the shows were full, and that was really when I was like, God, there's like a line around the building to see us, and my friend Pat, Pennsylvania, said, you know, I, I skipped my SATs, you know, to come see you guys, and I've had this lifelong friendship with him, and um, that was kind of when. I think though, for us with Game Face. We were kind of power pop. We weren't, you know, hardcore. We, you know, Jeff and I were thoroughly into the hardcore scene, and but you know, we we also grew up loving Cheap Trick, you know, and the Descendants, you know, and, and that kind of direction. And I think we did have something a little different from a lot of the other bands, you know. But then you meet like bands like Farside, and you're like, like, God, we are not masters of our craft, <laughs> like Farside, you know, Inside Out. But the beauty was you didn't need to be. You guys could coexist. Like Game right, and right. Farside was a good show. And it wasn't like seeing the same style of music. Correct. So what fascinates me is, I don't know, for the first two years of Game Face, like when we were doing demos and stuff, I didn't know how to play any octave chords. I remember one night, like Zach from Inside Out was like, you know how to play octave chords? He's like, <laughs> I don't. And he showed me and I was like, dude, that's amazing. And then... You know, if you follow Game Base, oh, everything I play became It's Like, that's all I play. So, um, I, I think our music, like I said, was our band was different. But then once you, we played with like Farside and stuff, we we're like, oh, geez, like, I'm a terrible hack of a guitar player, you know. But I, you know, so I think we always had kind of a different knack and um, it was either loved or hated, I think. So, what was it like? And guys, I just have two more questions. So, I thank you, Steve for uh, bearing, bearing with me. What was it like recording the Puzzle 7? Because I know you guys did some demos. It was a Streets of Justice demo. I don't know if it was called That's that. actually on the ourselves tape too, a different oh, okay. version, which is amazing. Um, I use, which I have in my garage, the Zoom. So before the pandemic and Zoom video conferencing, I had the Zoom, it was like a Walkman size and it was digital programmable sound. Mm -hmm. So kind of like, I guess, GarageBand now, but so the zoom and that's what I used on that seven inch. So that guitar sound is completely manufactured and I didn't have like a half stack or anything. I had a rolling jazz chorus, which I wish I still had today, but um, yeah. So that was the, the first seven inch and you know, it's a good collection of songs. And was there, you know that ending little thing that you guys do where it sounds like Jeff saying Bob and you guys are running and then Bob's whacking on the drums. He says E, e. we just play the, you know, Hardcore, yeah. play E. Okay, okay, so that's all that was, yeah. was that, gotcha. So do you remember anything about maybe the lack of time when you did that seven inch, maybe lack of money, or was it not? Oh, I would say like almost probably every band that's been on your, you know, either in your movies yeah. or documentaries or on this interview, you know, it started, you know, 11 o'clock at night and go till 6 a.m. and just that's ready, go, break. and just press record, and I mean, it wasn't, lay out the drums first it was kind of all live and and that so um that's how it was even three to get ready i remember the big rock and roll swindle like we'd record all night i would literally get home at like 7 a.m i'd go to sleep i worked in this you know at the time in this this office building but it was like 20 stories and so no that one wasn't the bartering company no 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 <laughs> no one really knew like where anyone was so 
Kukla would cover for me and oh, someone would ask for me, that oh, let me get Todd. And then I'd come into work around five, literally say, hey, be seen by my boss. And I'd go to the studio at like, you know, eight o'clock right. and we did that. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, it worked. Like This was like the same punk, job you punk one. Up, yes. where you would stay at my house for like two hours and, and rest. I was and not a good work. employee. This is pre-youth development. Yes. It was actually, yes, it was, it was, yes, it was. Yeah, that was an interesting time, so. So, thinking about recording that seven inch, the seven inch is done, was that, do you remember, was that already gonna be on Nemesis or did it get on Nemesis after? Cause I think yeah. Frank got interested in you guys from your demo. We had a demo, he heard it and then said, hey, I would love to, yeah, would love to put something out. Right. So we did a seven inch, our first show, you were at was at the Long Beach, Kelsey Long Beach, the Nugget was like our official. And, and so quite a scene being in this like Saved by the Dell Bell type cafeteria with Big Frank there <laughs> and Game Face's first show. That was pretty uh, something else. So um, yeah. So last last question. And I think we got a free T-shirt that said "End Racism, Nemesis Records," and like a handshake, and that was our payment as, yeah. the, tr as the truck goes by. <laughs> as the truck goes by. So then looking towards good, and we're gonna that's a whole other interview I wanna do with you, because I have a lot of questions, wanna kinda go through more with the songs. Back oh, here? Yeah. Oh yeah. At this spot? And only at this spot. Um, the idea of recording a 12 inch, because I know that that would be important to you, just because you're a you're a record guy, like in, in, in terms of how important the, a lot of records have been to you, seven seconds, MIA, like, like a lot of stuff. Uh -huh. So looking towards the idea of recording good, just the idea of it, after doing a seven inch, what did you want to accomplish with a 12 inch? Like in your mind, like like for game face or just for yourself or both? I mean, I think it was just the whole process of recording and having an album out, you know, like the seven inch was awesome. And then, oh my God, we're gonna do a full length record. So that was awesome. Um, I don't think, you know, I didn't have a lot of expectations. Um, we were all thoroughly involved with the band. I mean, it was like a daily thing. But like, you know, I did take my lead and still do from Jeff. I mean, Jeff has this unique ability to to write, you know, and the songwriting and the process and just, uh, you know, in my opinion, his unique, you know, lyrics mm. to some extent. And just, oh, yeah. uh, so I, I think it was just, let's go. Like even when we went on our first and second and third tours, just, oh, we're going this month. We got a van, we just jump in and literally, you know, had like a duffel bag of clothes and that was that. So, last thing, before you guys recorded good, you demoed it on a boombox, and you came over to my house with the demo, and we were listening to it. I loved it, and I said to you, "What if after? Because you guys were gonna go to for the record. That was a big deal. You're gonna yeah. record with, you're gonna record with E, and it was gonna be this thing." And I remember saying to you, "What if after all that, it just sounds like this recording?" And I remember you saying, "I would quit." <laughs> Do you remember that at all? I don't. I do remember uh, it being like 7 a.m. and like E calling my house and I'm like, hello? And it's like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, you want to come in the studio? And I got like 10 mixes of organization. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And I remember going down there and it was like, it was awesome. So that was really, uh, that was, a, it was, it was, that was a really good process, you know? So not to get too into that record. I also remember when you were finishing up the record, going in to do the final mix, he texted you and you had like a calling yes. service or whatever it was. Yeah. And it said, let's make a record. Yeah. So I had like this pager, but it would like digitally print your message that you would leave. So 
we had that up until we toured in Ireland, and then somebody, uh, I, someone ganked it right off my uh, out of my pocket. So, yeah. <laughs>